You're listening to He That Is Righteous Is Favored of God, part of the 1830 Podcast Network. It is the 1990 Independence Edition of the Book of Mormon, followed by commentary. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the podcaster and don't necessarily reflect the beliefs of the Church of Christ. Chapter 4 And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been carried away in the Spirit, and seen all these things, I returned to the tent of my father. And it came to pass that I beheld my brethren, and they were disputing one with another concerning the things which my father had spoken unto them. For he truly spake many great things unto them, which were hard to be understood, save a man should inquire of the Lord. And they being hard in their hearts, therefore they did not look unto the Lord as they had ought. And now I, Nephi, was grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, and also because of the things which I had seen, and knew they must unavoidably come to pass because of the great wickedness of the children of men. And it came to pass that I was overcome because of my afflictions, for I considered that mine afflictions were great above all because of the destructions of my people, for I had beheld their fall. And it came to pass that after I had received strength, I spake unto my brethren, desiring to know of them the cause of their disputations. And they said, Behold, we cannot understand the words which our Father hath spoken concerning the natural branches of the olive tree, and also concerning the Gentiles. And I said unto them, Have ye inquired of the Lord? And they said unto me, We have not, for the Lord maketh no such thing known unto us. Behold, I said unto them, How is it that ye do not keep the commandments of the Lord? How is it that ye will perish because of the hardness of your hearts? Do ye not remember the things which the Lord hath said? If ye will not harden your hearts, and ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence in keeping my commandments, surely these things shall be made known unto you. Behold, I say unto you that the house of Israel was compared unto an olive tree by the Spirit of the Lord which was in our father. And behold, are we not broken off from the house of Israel? Are we not a branch of the house of Israel? And now the thing which our Father meaneth concerning the grafting in of the natural branches through the fullness of the Gentiles is, that in the latter days, when our seed shall have dwindled in unbelief, yea, for the space of many years and many generations, after that the Messiah hath manifested himself in body unto the children of men, then shall the fullness of the gospel of the Messiah come unto the Gentiles, and from the Gentiles unto the remnant of our seed." And at that day shall the remnant of our seed know that they are of the house of Israel, and that they are the covenant people of the Lord. And then shall they know, and come to the knowledge of their forefathers, and also to the knowledge of the gospel of their Redeemer, which was ministered unto their fathers by him. Wherefore they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer, and the very points of his doctrine, that they may know how to come unto him and be saved. And then at that day will they not rejoice and give praise unto their everlasting God, their rock and their salvation. Yea, at that day will they not receive the strength and nourishment from the true vine. Yea, will they not come unto the true fold of God. Behold, I say unto you, yea, they shall be remembered again among the house of Israel. They shall be grafted in, being a natural branch of the olive tree, into the true olive tree. And this is what our Father meaneth. And he meaneth that it will not come to pass until after that they are scattered by the Gentiles. And he meaneth that it shall come by way of the Gentiles, 
that the Lord may show his power unto the Gentiles, for the very cause that he shall be rejected of the Jews or of the house of Israel. Wherefore our Father hath not spoken of our seed alone, but also of all the house of Israel, pointing to the covenant which should be fulfilled in the latter days, which covenant the Lord made to our father Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, spake much unto them concerning these things. Yea, I spake unto them concerning the restoration of the Jews in the latter days. And I did rehearse unto them the words of Isaiah, which spake concerning the restoration of the Jews or of the house of Israel. And after that they were restored, they should no more be confounded, neither should they be scattered again. And it came to pass that I did speak many words unto my brethren, that they were pacified, and did humble themselves before the Lord. And it came to pass that they did speak unto me again, saying, What meaneth the thing which our father saw in a dream? What meaneth the tree which he saw? And I said unto them, It was a representation of the tree of life. And they said unto me, What meaneth the rod of iron which our father saw that led to the tree? And I said unto them that it was the word of God. And whoso would hearken unto the word of God and would hold fast unto it, they would never perish. Neither could the temptations and the fiery darts of the adversary overpower them unto blindness, to lead them away to destruction. Wherefore I, Nephi, did exhort them to give heed unto the word of the Lord. Yea, I did exhort them with all the energies of my soul, and with all the faculty which I possessed, that they would give heed to the word of God, and remember to keep his commandments always in all things. And they said unto me, What meaneth the river of water which our father saw? And I said unto them, That the water which my father saw was filthiness, and so much was his mind swallowed up in other things, that he beheld not the filthiness of the water. And I said unto them, That it was an awful gulf which separateth the wicked from the tree of life, and also from the saints of God. And I said unto them, That it was a representation of that awful hell which the angel said unto me was prepared for the wicked. And I said unto them, that our father also saw that the justice of God did also divide the wicked from the righteous. And the brightness thereof was like unto the brightness of a flaming fire, which ascendeth up unto God forever and ever, and hath no end. And they said unto me, Doth this thing mean the torment of the body in the days of probation? Or doth it mean the final state of the soul after the death of the temporal body? Or doth it speak of the things which are temporal? And it came to pass that I said unto them that it was a representation of things both temporal and spiritual. For the day should come that they must be judged of their works, yea, even the works which were done by the temporal body in their days of probation. Wherefore, if they should die in their wickedness, they must be cast off also as to the things which are spiritual, which are pertaining to righteousness. Wherefore, they must be brought to stand before God to be judged of their works. And if their works have been filthiness, they must needs be filthy. And if they be filthy, it must needs be that they cannot dwell in the kingdom of God. If so, the kingdom of God must be filthy also. But behold, I say unto you, the kingdom of God is not filthy, and there cannot any unclean thing enter into the kingdom of God. Wherefore, there must needs be a place of filthiness prepared for that which is filthy. And there is a place prepared, yea, even that awful hell of which I have spoken, and the devil is the preparator of it. Wherefore, the final state of the souls of men is to dwell in the kingdom of God, or to be cast out because of that justice of which I have spoken. Wherefore, the wicked are rejected from the righteous, and also from the tree of life, whose fruit is most precious and most desirable above all other fruits. Yea, and it is the greatest of all the gifts of God. 
And thus I spake unto my brethren. Amen. Come unto me. Okay, chapter four. The first comment I want to make is, this is going to be weird, but it's the whole page of page 43. And we're going to compare this whole page to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And the point is that if you compare this first set of verses and, and just glance through how they all start and you see the word and, and it came to pass and it came to pass for he truly, and they, and now, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, and they, and I said, and they said, behold, how, and then do ye, so at the end, it just, there's no more ands, but there's a lot of ands, and it came to passes. In First Samuel chapter 18, you'll see very similar writing style with a lot of ands, and a few, three, and it came to passes in there. And the point being, the Hebrew writing style is similar in both books in the Book of Mormon, in, in this chapter, and in First uh, Samuel chapter 18. And that is taken from a Book of Mormon companion, witnesses to its validity. And now I'm noticing that I'm saying and a lot. And the rest of this, <laughs> the rest of this study, you're only going to hear me say and. It's going to stand out a lot. So that was the first note. The next note, moving on, is all the way to verse 1. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been carried away in the spirit and seen all these things, I returned to the tent of my father. So in verse, in chapter 3, verse 38, he said he was carried away on a mountain, an exceeding high mountain, I think. What we have here is that he's, after being carried away in, in the spirit, he returned to the tent of his father. So it was just like he was gone and now he's back again. And the it's just kind of goofy. And he, he calls it, um, I had been carried away in the spirit. And so there's a precedent for this happening, and it's Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And he references in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4, he says he knew a guy 14 years ago who was carried away to the third heaven, and he went through this a similar process of being carried away in the spirit. And so what is the third heaven? If you see the sky where the fly, where the where things fly, the birds and, and insects and whatever, they're flying around. That's kind of in the heaven. And then you have above that, above the earth's atmosphere, you have a second heaven where all the stars are and the galaxies and space. And then beyond that, you have the third heaven. That's where God is. And that's what Paul was saying. I know a guy, and we think, uh, uh, scholars believe he's talking about himself because in Acts, um, 22, when he was converted, he was, he was, uh, 
dumbfounded and struck down. And he says he was in a trance and still communicating with God somehow. And so whether he's in a trance, whether he's in the third heaven or whether he's carried away in the spirit, these three things I think are all similar. And so there is a, a, a similarity or a similar happenstance in the Bible. The next verse I have highlighted is verse 13. If you will not harden your hearts and ask, uh, uh, let's start with the whole thing because you can't say it with if you will not. Do you not remember the things which the Lord hath said? If you will not harden your hearts and ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence and keeping my commandments, surely these things shall be made known unto you. And everybody knows James chapter one, verses five and six. And this is almost the same, you know, faith, believing, not wavering and, and, uh, with diligence, keeping my commandments, uh, a very similar, uh, uh, verse here in the book of Mormon. Okay. On page 44, turn the page and verse 14, behold, I say unto you that the house of Israel was compared unto an olive tree by the spirit of the Lord, which was in our fathers. Verse 14, there's others in here, 16, 23 and 24. They're all talking about this olive tree. We've talked about it before in the last chapter, and we're going to get it a lot in Jacob. But the reference that goes with that olive tree in the, in the Bible is Romans chapter 11, verses 17 through 24, talking about this olive tree. And the Gentiles are that wild branch, that wild uh, uh, tree. And the Jews and the descendants of Lehi are the tame or they're of the same you know, branch. And they're going to be regrafted into the same root. In verse 16, starting uh, sort of three lines down, in that in the latter days, when our seed shall have dwindled in unbelief, yea, for the space of many years and many generations, after the Messiah shall be manifested in body unto the children of men, then shall the fullness of the gospel of the Messiah come unto the Gentiles, and from the Gentiles unto the remnant of our seed. And at that day shall the remnant of our seed know that they are of the house of Israel and that they are the covenant people of the Lord. And I just have one line in verse 18, and also to the knowledge of the gospel of their Redeemer. And then verse 19, wherefore they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer and the very points of his doctrine that they may know how to come unto him and be saved. I like how it describes this process. Uh, Isaiah eleven eleven has a similar uh, statement. Um. But I like how it reads here. It's very uh, uh, to the point. But I like the parts where it says that they're going to come to the knowledge of the gospel of their Redeemer. They're going to come to the very points of his doctrine that they may know how to come unto him and be saved. There's more than just becoming Christian. They're going to learn how to become a Christian. And something is going to take place that's going to to establish this this uh, this pattern for them. There's going to, and there's other ways, uh, verses that reference it, and we'll see them later. But I like this little section, and I like how it states it. In verse 21, Yea, at that day will they not receive the strength and nourishment from the true vine. This verse is highlighted all by itself, and I have a note to John 15, 1 through 6. In John 15, 1 through 6, we're gonna, it talks about Christ being the, the true vine. And there's more there. Get it, if you get a chance, read that, and it ties it together. Um, I like this verse pointing to John there. On the next page, verse 29. In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. We're talking about our father Abraham. 
I think what it's referring to is the birth of Christ. He came, he was a descendant eventually, the long, you know, long time down, but through Abraham, indeed, the kindreds of the earth are were blessed through the birth of Christ. And I think that's what it's referring to. That's just a note I have in my Book of Mormon. And I like verse 31, Yea, I spake unto them concerning the restoration of the Jews in the latter days. Very to the point, what is the purpose of the Book of Mormon? Right there. And and what is a lot of these prophecies? And what was this vision he saw? It's it's talking about. And there's more there's more in this chapter that could be highlighted. I'm only picking out this few little um, bullet points. Uh, verse 33, And after they were restored, they should no more be confounded, neither should they be scattered again. And I like that verse too. And nothing really different or better than the other verses, except that it's it's succinct. It's uh, anyways, I I've if you want to see what my Book of Mormon looks like, that verse is highlighted. And I think it's good to know. It uh, puts it in a very easy to understand way. Then on verse 36, 37, 38, 39, we have more uh, definitions of the vision. I have in verse 36, just the word tree highlighted. And in verse 37, it was the definition, you know, a tree of life. Uh, in verse 38, I have just rod of iron. And then two lines down is the word of God. And so that's the definition of what they are real easy to see. So I just highlight all those definitions and what, what they mean. And verse and on the turn the page, uh, page forty six, verse forty three through forty six. What meaneth the river of water which our father saw? And I said unto them that the water which my father saw was filthiness. That's all green. And then I skip to verse forty six. That it was an awful gulf which separateth the wicked from the tree of life and also from the saints of God. So again, it's more defining what this vision was, all the things that it meant. Next verse I have highlighted is verse 52. For the day should come that they must be judged of their works, yea, even the works which were done by the temporal body in their days of probation. In Revelations 20, verse 12, it, you'll see they were judged according to our works. Again, the books are opened. Um, that's what that verse is in Revelation is. And then um, verse 54, wherefore they must be brought to stand before God to be judged of their works. I have page 670, verse 32 is written down right next to this. It goes right with the topic of being judged of your works. Verse Page 670, verse 32, and also page 111, verse 88. Page 111, verse 88. If you go to your Books of Mormon and, and turn to those pages and have them all point to each other, this they all have that same theme. You're going to be judged according to their works. In verse 58, I have different color. There cannot any unclean thing enter into the kingdom of God. Again, we've read a similar statement earlier. This is the same vision now Nephi has, and he's given, you know, the second. It's being stated again, clearly, that we will all know there is nothing unclean in heaven. We have to come and be clean through Christ. Uh, you know, there is a process, but regardless of all that, that statement, it, it calls us to be, be, well, be clean, but there's a bar. There's a standard that is set that is very high. <laughs> nothing unclean. I mean, we are all going to fall short of that standard. There's nothing unclean that can get to heaven. So with that in our minds, always how, how grateful to Jesus should we be? How penitent and humble should we be? How stripped of pride do we need to be? Because there's nothing unclean that can enter into heaven, into the kingdom of God. You know, that's a, a powerful reminder. And it's one of those bumper sticker scriptures that 
just keep that, keep that around, keep that on the back of your mind keep that, man, it's, it's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to have around you. And then verse 63, yea, it is the greatest of all the gifts of God. It's referring to the, the fruit. So it should 62 should be with that. Let's talk about that fruit that is most precious. And, and it kind of goes along with, you know, the uh, nothing unclean can enter into the kingdom of God. So we are promised this opportunity to get to heaven and it is a gift. It is the greatest of all the gifts of God. It is the greatest thing that we could ever hope to attain. It is the most precious and most desirable. You know, do not get bogged down in this world, in the things of this world, in the desires of of this world, in, in the things that can separate you from the love of God, you know. There is a gift that is greater than all of these, and it is out there for us. It is reachable. It is attainable. And God wants to give us this gift. You know, the nature of that statement, this, you know, a gift is given through love, through, through mercy. And, and he, he wants to give it as much as, as it's a joy to be given. It is the most precious thing. And that is what we have to remember and hope to attain and just be grateful and um, I don't know how there's no other way to say it. It is the greatest of all the gifts of God. So chapter four is in the books. We'll see you next time. For my yoke is easy.